go to a consultation or something to find out, like to get them. Like, hey, you oh, here? Hold on, Henry Scott's here. One sec. Hey, fantastic! Hiya. There he is. No, I didn't realize we started. I just saw him jumped in. We had, we abandoned you. We thought you had died. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? <laughs> oh, my mistake. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I hadn't. I'm still alive and kicking. Very uh, good. And I'm ready. Very exciting. Uh, we are live right now, actually. Yes. Um, and someday later, we'll finish my tale of <laughs> what it was like to try to get braces as a kid. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, did I interrupt a story? Oh, eh, sort no. of. Uh, it's all, no, Chris doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> no, yeah. I, we've already established I contribute nothing. So. <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? Me? Yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. Not too bad. Just. Um, Gearing up and gearing down for the holidays. Nice. Looking forward to that. It's cold out there, yeah. Yeah, it's getting very chilly. I don't know what it's like. You're in Florida, aren't you, Ryan? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's like harsh blizzards all over the. No, it's it's <laughs> it's sunny. Boy, it's gone wrong if that's true. <laughs> it's sunny and it's very cold. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, What's that number? What is very cold? Fifty. Yeah, I'll slap you. <laughs> it's very cold for Florida standards. I'll say that. Right, fair. Yeah, I yeah. suppose that's fair. Fifty degrees Fahrenheit, I should say. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So we're short at fifty. It was fifty last night when I went for a walk. It was glorious. It's actually forty-nine here right now. So you're only two degrees above me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, welcome. Do you, should we introduce you as Scott or Henry? Yeah. No, Henry. Um, that was a bit of that was a little side effect. I didn't kind of recognize when I called my YouTube channel Scott Game Sounds. Everyone would start referring to me as Scott, and I didn't also realize how much that would. It doesn't bug me, but it just—it always catches me off guard when I read a message and they say, "Hey, Scott," and I go, "What? Oh, yeah, that's my—that's <laughs> my last name." Do you know what I mean? It kind of throws me a little bit, and I always have to go. Or like the first thought that comes to my head is, "Oh, they've got that wrong," but then I go, "Oh no, that's just me," you know. <laughs> like, oh, that's my fault. That's my last name. That's what my channel's called. Yeah, so it's a little bit weird, um, but no, yeah, just Henry's fine. But if you want Ryan, you can call me Susan. Oh, okay, <laughs> great. I will call you Susan then. Uh, well, dude, if he gets to call you Susan, I can at least get away with Hank, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, go for it. No, dude. Well, no, you're Mike, apparently. Yeah, Henry, by the way, this is Chris, not Mike, as it says in the Discord uh, server. <laughs> that is a, oh, okay. Yeah, that's an inside I joke. You said earlier, when you said uh, Chris doesn't matter, I thought we were talking about, you know, we were just talking to some behind their back or somebody <laughs> else. Yeah, that's Steve. I've never, he's never contributed anything. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> On today's podcast, we yeah. talk about how we hate Chris. We only talk about people who aren't here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And before you came along, Henry, we were talking about you because you weren't here. But now That's that you're right. here, let's talk about Chris. <laughs> <laughs> my spidey senses were telling me someone was talking about me behind my back. So I jumped in. Hey, none of that. No, 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 no. <laughs> only good things about me. <laughs> Uh, but no, Chris, nice to speak to you. Um, you too. So what's, uh, do you mind if I ask why it's Mike on Discord? Well, we were doing a, an episode of one of these, I think two weeks ago, and Ryan mushmouthed the term micro goals, and it turned into Mike Roggle. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so now Chris is Mike. So uh, I'm Mike. I'm Mike Roggle. I am, I am everyone's favorite tiny accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, we're proud of you. 
Chris for being a micro cult. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> We've already talked about how it doesn't. I'm not phased by your pride. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I can be as proud of Chris as I want, but it doesn't really matter. What's up, Elvin? What's up, Waven Games? Thanks for joining in. Uh, this is this is being recorded live, by the way, Henry. Oh yeah, don't worry, I'm well aware. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so just you know, don't give out your trade secrets yet for making a an awesome YouTube channel about FMOD and sound design and all that. I figured we oh. would kind of just like we have a lot to talk about. I feel like considering that we both have YouTube channels and courses and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's true. Struggles that we probably all experience. Mm. For those that don't know, uh, Henry has a really awesome YouTube channel. And oh. is the course live right now, Henry, on your website? or? Um, it's not now. I am aiming to get it back up and live for people to check out uh, February. In fact, I'm looking at maybe even restructuring it so that it is kind of live for people to jump into whenever. I'm not too sure yet. Uh, but for now, uh, first week of February, maybe the last week of January is the aim. But you can always, you know, you can learn about it from my website, scottgamesounds.com. I hope that might be plugging this, by the way. We well, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, the YouTube, the YouTube channel, I'll tell you what, go there first. So Scott Game Sounds, uh, it's a YouTube channel just full of stuff where we talk about FMOD implementation into Unity specifically, as well as just weird ways we can go about making sound design. Nice. The videos, we kind of get carried away. I don't know why I'm saying we, it's only me. I get carried away <laughs> and make really long ones, but they seem to be going down well. So, nice. yeah, no, if you're interested in that stuff. Um, I mean, well, it's very it's very similar to the stuff you do, uh, Ryan. Yeah. No blip sound stuff. So I'm sure, you know, people listening, you'll find something you like over there. Yeah. Scott's stuff, I think, goes a little bit more in depth on the FMOD stuff, while blip sounds a little bit more um, surface level, I would say, uh, for like sound design and stuff. But definitely check out uh, Henry's channel, uh, Scott Game Sounds. You can search that. We'll also be in the description of the archive. Blush. Um, so yeah, blush. <laughs> um, I, I was kind of curious. Your YouTube channel is really, really good in the fact that you go very in depth on FMOD and Unity to a point where you you're very fluent with it. I can tell. And. I think that this is something that a lot of people envy. There's not another Scott Game Sounds, or there's not any other, really any other YouTube channels that teach FMOD and stuff, so that you can like learn this stuff yourself. So you're like a, you're, you've become like a resource for that. Um, do you know how to like read API docs and all that stuff, or are you just like searching on like FMOD forums all this time to like learn all this stuff? Um, no, in terms of how I learn it, it's most, it's mostly trial and error. It's mostly me messing around with FMOD and Unity. Nice. Try, maybe, maybe trying to get an outcome. Just messing around, seeing what works, what doesn't. And once I've got something that works, I think, oh cool, I can share that in a video. Because you're right, there's, there is stuff out there for learning how to use the, the software itself and the, you know, the kind of interface of FMOD. There's plenty of stuff on that. Like, you know, the FMOD guys, obviously, they've got their own YouTube channel where they show all that stuff. But, you know, once you've figured that out, a lot of sound designers and composers kind of want to get a bit more practical with it. Um, especially if they're, you know, trying to, they want to start working a bit more uh, with developers. They kind of want to see, well, okay, I can I can set up this really cool system in FMOD making my music change dynamically or yeah. interact or whatever, but there's no context to a game. Um, in fact, I even remember, I, I was looking on a video, this was a couple of years ago, of someone showing how they can make like interactive footstep sounds. So, you know, the sound plays when the footsteps taken. And you might hear different jingling of the clothes, a different kind of crunch on the ground. So it kind of changes randomly every time the footsteps are taken. 
But then I looked at the comments and everyone was just saying, well, that's great, but how do you put that in a game? Like, it's fine making the event an F-board, but, yeah. you know, that that's not really interactive, is it? You're not actually showing how that's then translated into a game and set up so that you can hear those changes. That, that's why I started doing a lot more, like, focusing on the F-mod stuff. But at first it was just tinkering around, yeah. seeing what worked, what didn't, and just thought... I just need to start. I need to share more stuff. And That's this good. is something that clearly isn't out there that much. And is, you know, people are interested in it. And I suppose that's something that maybe the people behind FMOD didn't consider. They wouldn't, they, you know, because you wouldn't initially, would you? Oh, music composers and sound designers actually want to learn how to implement this stuff themselves. They don't just <laughs> want to set it up for someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, once, once those two things kind of combined together, I started focusing more on, you know, sharing those things specifically. How someone in audio can take their audio and use these tools together and get something working. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind of feel like um, a lot of YouTubers that are creating this sort of information to teach anything really, like film, editing, sound design, uh, Unity game development, Godot, any, anything like that. I kind of feel like a big part of just wh- what people do to actively search on YouTube to learn something um, the people that are creating these videos, like yourself and Blip Sounds and any other sound design YouTuber or whatever, I think that there's definitely like a consistency between us all where, and it's something that I try and teach personally on like the game audio training series or anything with Blip Sounds is to just start doing it. Just try and do something. Don't be too afraid to dive in and just make mistakes and stuff. It's it's scary and intimidating for sure. Like, mm. um when I first started with Unity, I can't tell you how like intimidating it was, but once you get past those barriers, you start to realize that it all kind of makes sense and is structured. And I think there's like a paralyzing element that comes with that, that goes away as you kind of just throw yourself into it. Oh yeah, I, I mean, even just the game that I started working on, this is my first implementation venture outside of just doing sound and unity is very impenetrable it's probably the hardest i've had to work to learn something new from scratch in at least 10 years and it's getting done but it is very much like boy if i don't know how to do this poking around in here is probably not gonna i'm not gonna figure it out just by doing that i need to learn it yeah and there are tons of docs and tons of like youtube videos teaching about all this stuff and Mm -hmm. it's a tough one for sure Yeah, I mean, you especially, Chris, like recently, like it's frustrating, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I mean, we're, you know, we're working on someone else's project that they've built and we didn't get a chance to start it from the, from scratch the way we might have built it. And, you know, that's tough with anything. I, I've had to put together cars stuff that people have started taking apart on their own. And it's like, I know how this all goes together, but I don't know your processes. I don't know where you put things. Nothing's labeled. Like it's twice as difficult as if you had just started a Unity project on your own from scratch. Chris, can I ask what your background is? You know, it's my first time meeting you. That's true. Um, My background is, I don't know, limited, I suppose. I started uh, doing home theater stuff like probably 15 years ago. I'm just working my way up through understanding signal flow and room effect and digital audio and channel separations and all that stuff through home theater. And otherwise, from a career perspective, I was doing sysadmin and desktop support forever and ever. And then I recently, I'd say within the last five years, I started transitioning over into AV stuff. And I was an AV tech at Amazon for a little while and doing sound design on my own off to the side. I did a, I was unemployed for a few months and I was building a podcast, a D&D podcast with a friend of mine, where 
they I would just record them all playing and then I would go through and edit all the voices and add sound effects and music to every episode. And it was an unbelievable amount of work. It was like it took like a month to do each episode while I was unemployed and I burned myself out. Real bad, Ooh. real bad, because every episode was like three hours long. Well, you got to tell them about the setup that they had, too, because they only had one microphone, Oh, yeah, we right? basically had one mic in the middle of a table of five people, so I had to edit a single huh. audio track in a way that it was coherent, you know? And, mm. yeah, it just... Also, the table bumps and, like, the... Oh, yeah, table bumps and the fact that there was in a kitchen, so the room was awful, and, uh, you know, five people who are not playing with any intention of recognizing what it's like to be recorded. Yeah. And so you just had to kind of work around all those things, but it's like, when you learn something the hardest way, <laughs> once you get further into it and you start working with doing it easier, it's like, oh, man, well, nothing... Nothing will ever be hard ever again, because I had to do that first. Mm. And yeah, and I started with Audacity, and I did all of my editing in Audacity. I had like 50 different tracks in Audacity, doing <laughs> all of the sounds wow. and music and everything. And then I transferred into Audition and redid them all, and then I redid them all again in Vegas, and then I moved from Vegas to Reaper. So it's all just been kind of learning how this stuff all works over the last probably four or five years yeah wow that's awesome yeah i'm about five years into with my sound design i'd say but yeah as far as actually game implementation fmod unity all that stuff that part of it is entirely new to me so that's the that's been the challenge lately yeah have you done work then as um you know since the days of you know your DD podcast and learning audacity have you done sound design work then or has it been other stuff and you're um, starting with the implementation no i mean i've done I did that D&D thing, and then nothing, honestly, I didn't really do much until I discovered the Blip Sounds the sound design competition. I was at PAX last year, and I saw their panel, and then I talked to Ryan for like an hour afterwards, and we all we had a little group of strangers all circled around to him and Robbie, and <laughs> I just learned about... All the... making weasel noises. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> weasel noises. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, Sorry, to this day, Sorry, man, that's gonna need some context. Listen, Henry, you have you been to PAX before, Henry? <laughs> no, never. No. That's no. something he just made up at a clear blue sky. That is not. I don't even know what weasels. No, no like. I, I'm just being, <laughs> I'm just being weird. Ignore me. But yeah, and but so, it could have. That could have been something. That could have been like, yes, yeah, so we need we need a sample of weasel noises for this yes. project. But, uh, <laughs> we don't have any weasels. Like it's you, so could, hard. you could have carried that joke along, and I would. I know. I can't it. find a single weasel sound in free sounds. <laughs> just like yeah, yeah. Pro sound effects. Your Odyssey collection. It's great, but it's a 9 out of 10. You get another star from me if you only had weasel noises. <laughs> yeah, the weasel carries the final star. You're lacking something, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I just did the sound design competitions every month for most of a year. Uh, and it was kind of my only sound design outlet at the time. Um, was just doing that to try to you know, keep up on it. And I'm sure, you know, there's plenty of opportunities I could have taken to pull a video off of YouTube and resound it or something, and I never did for whatever reason. But I finally won uh, in May. Yeah, it was like June, maybe? Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And which one was that, do you remember? The Chrono Trigger one. Yeah. I never good. went back. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but by that point, I had, you know, I sort of joined Blip Sounds. For, I started off in the community pretty active and then i took over the vgm uh of the day channel and i was working on that and then i don't remember how i got into at some point we just talked about me doing video editing which i was like well i've never really done it but i've done a plenty of audio editing in vegas and i know that it's pretty much the same 
And so, from my perspective, though, I mentioned to you, what? how do you feel about, like, running the YouTube channel or editing videos? And you were like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I've never done it, but it sounds fun. Like, if I was someone who knew how to do it, I'd be great. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is going to be really That's easy. Good, I think you kind of have to do that sometimes. Like, yeah. I, I remember talking to... Um, a composer friend of mine called Thomas and we were just talking about how you kind of sometimes sometimes opportunities will come up and you kind of even though you know maybe not know but maybe you have a feeling that you're not quite right for it sometimes you just kind of have to throw yourself in and learn as mm -hmm. you go so for example as he was a composer um, when he was somewhat starting out somewhat established he would get um, requests from people saying oh so do you know how to compose jazz music and even though he'd be from let's say a background of rock he just had to go yep and kind of work it out yeah because like like you've both been kind of saying you know it's it's crazy how much you don't have to be perfect and I think a lot of us um, in some way shape or form not just in audio but in life as general you kind of feel like you have to get started with something mm -hmm. but sometimes the answer is just throwing yourself in yeah uh, yeah learning on the job if possible or just trying something like again it doesn't have to be perfect yeah and i i just i you're having such a long background in desktop support and sysadmin like that's so much of that entire career path job description of all of tech work is like people are going to bring you problems and the only way you'll ever know how to solve the problem is to have already previously solved it and to figure it out requires a lot of try this try that figure out what you know from something else you've done and look it up online and so i'm really gotten very used to well, I don't know how to do this, but I know how to find out how to do it when I need to know how to do it. So even cool. even w with Vegas, like I had been, you know, doing all of my audio editing in Vegas. I'd never done anything with video. And but I was like, well, I know that I can put a video in here and it'll be the track just like an audio one, and, you know, cut, crossfade. All the basics are already there. Mm. And anything I need to know how to do, YouTube, Vegas Pro, insert text. Oh, that's not hard. And then that's one more thing. And then you just kind of build your bag as something yeah. you don't know how to do comes up to you one at a time and it makes it a lot easier to learn stuff yeah i, I like that to approach too i think that the core theme here is probably like keeping outside of your comfort zone a little bit mm -hmm. yes yeah that that's a big one for me and i honestly do feel like as well that in regards to what we're talking about just like saying you can do it when you really can't um mm -hmm. we did a panel at pax dev in august and it, we basically recorded sounds from the audience and program and like did fmod integration live and we like took like just a, a game project on the asset store and just like threw them in and like showed the basics of fmod and the <laughs> the way that the way that i approached it and this is kind of how i approach the game audio training series as well when i make videos for that is like i don't know how to do any of this I am somebody who has no idea what is happening in this Unity project. I'm going to just try stuff out and see how, how to put it together, basically. Well, I can tell you from from editing all the Game Audio Training Series videos, that is super true. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the PAX panel, it was really funny because... Um, I mentioned that to them. I said, hey guys, listen, because there are were, there were actually like 30 people in the audience and 25 of them were programmers. Oh man. <laughs> and, and there are five audio people. So I was just like, ah, uh, oh man, like this is not gonna end well. Like, I'm these... not gonna tell anybody stuff they don't already know how to do better. 
or I'm gonna make an idiot of myself because mm-hmm. there's all these programmers in the room and they're gonna be like, Brian, that's so wrong. You cannot <laughs> be more wrong. But it turns out that everything that I said was correct. Um, and they agree- and every programmer agreed with me. I basically said- That's great. Yeah, no, it felt really good because I wasn't entirely confident in myself at the time. But anyways, the, <laughs> uh, I go, guys, listen, every programmer does not know how to program. Cool. They know how to do a few things, a few basic things with programming. The rest of it is them just being confident in their abilities to figure things out. But on maybe the spot. maybe don't say that to their face. Yeah, you're a programmer, but I'm right. right. Tom, you don't really know how to program, so you know it's not that big. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just keep that one to yourself. Yeah, maybe that might, that might be a good idea. Maybe yeah. Well, and sometimes there's not even necessarily a confidence part of it involved. It's just like, well, I have to do this. <laughs> I you know I have to keep my job. I just somebody said do this, and it's gotta gotta get done because it needs done, and so I'll just uh, yeah. Just, just to throw stuff, you know? And it definitely depends on the perspective, because yeah, you were sure. an AV, so, like, you had to be expected to do anything at any time. Correct, yes. But, like, for somebody that's trying to, that's freelancing, they don't get the opportunity to work on that thing unless they say yes. Right. That's true. And that's kind of where I was at with the sound design, where it was like, I didn't really have anything to work on, and I was constantly in a spot mentally of, like, well, I don't, I'm not good enough to do this. I don't, my, my sounds aren't good enough to go do this thing or, or do anything professionally or have someone give me money for the love of god you know i still kind of feel that way but it's good it's going away you know the more sounds i make that people around me keep saying yeah this sounds great this is really good it, it definitely builds your confidence too to have that yeah and it's and as much as i'd like to say that people approving of you doesn't matter it kind of does help build your internal confidence it's weird it's it is important because if you're the type of person who only cares about what you think about what you do you're a lunatic yeah yeah you're gonna be in a box and you're not gonna be able to like expand on really anything that you do right it's like it's like i always say anybody who thinks that they have nothing to learn is never gonna get any better and so it's like yeah i guess that's great that it's it sounds good to you i think it could be better and as long as i kind of feel that way like it's important to take in the successes and recognize that you are improving so that you don't just you know spiral into a misery pit but you never want to just stop and be like yes this is good enough. I'm done learning. I'm done improving because that's when people fly past you. Everybody who doesn't feel that way eventually yeah. goes by if you, if you start thinking like that. So, Henry, uh, I, I was I was going to ask you, what. so what's your like initial like background with sound design? Um, well, so I suppose when I first got into sound design was the same. Or it was the same way that everyone since probably about 2016 got into sound design. And that's from watching videos from a Catch the Cop. Don't lie if that's not how you got into it, because let's be face, let's face it, those videos are like they're. Pro- I think especially now they're probably everyone's sort of gateway into yeah realizing that that that's its own field, I suppose. So I was more music based, I suppose. Um, like I, I studied music production. Yeah. I suppose I this kind of over the years, like the direction I'm taking keeps shifting, and I, I feel like that's kind of something I need to work on a bit. But anyway, when I was studying. Yeah, I was studying music production, just thinking, oh, maybe I could, I don't know, work in a studio or something. I wasn't too sure, really. I just knew I, I liked music, but I didn't want to perform it. Was That wasn't kind of for me. I wanted to do something a bit more creative, I suppose. So, yeah, anyway, I'm, st- I'm studying, and someone, one of the lecturers just mentions towards the end of the course, um, you know, you can you can go into composing music for video games. Uh, and I thought, oh, like a little light bulb came on. Oh my god, why have I never thought of that before? You know, I've been playing games all my life. What a great idea that is! And then so I kind of looked into that, trying to figure out how to get 
setup, but obviously everyone slowly realizes that that's a lot more. It's a lot more competitive than you realize. From there, you kind of I kind of started hearing about sound design um, again through watching the Cash's videos. Um, then started messing around with sound design. Um, I think like the first thing I remember thinking, well, let's see what I can do, and I tested myself. I wanted to see if I could make a gunshot and something else. I can't remember. I don't know why, but at the time I thought. At the time, I'd, I'd never considered the samples were a thing. I thought, if I'm going to be a sound designer, I need to be able to make any and every sound from scratch, including things like gunshots. Interesting. I was in the exact opposite position. Oh, really? No, I, I was the exact same as you, Henry. Like, I, I, I thought the same exact thing. I didn't realize that I could purchase sound effects. Yeah, and that it's kind of acceptable as well. <laughs> that too, yeah. I, I, was, I definitely had, like, this, like, purist sort of, like mentality when it comes to making sound effects i wanted to be mine and i think we regarding like what chris was telling us earlier with his recording uh of the uh D, D podcast um i'm sure that was a great lesson for you mm -hmm. that's probably one of the best examples I, i've heard in terms of like why you should try recording stuff yourself is like oh you have no idea how hard it is to actually record and you learn a lot of lessons from it in terms of like editing audio and such it's true and it's interesting because i never i never considered recording my own sounds until the sound design competition was like you have to record all your own sounds and so i borrowed that's so funny i borrowed a recorder from a friend of mine because we had made Ooh. a couple of maybe one or two short films for the 48 hour film festival here in town um and so he had a recorder with a shotgun mic and i just took it and i was like well all right, here we go. But every otherwise, everything else I had gotten was from like YouTube and Freesound and wherever else I could find what I was looking for. And it never occurred to me to, to just record my own version. That's crazy. That, but uh, now it's, yeah, obviously that's shifted quite a bit. Yeah, because for the game you're working on now, you're doing quite a bit of recording. Yeah, almost, almost 100% so nice. far. That's awesome. I use library stuff as like ingredients instead of just a sound, you know? Agreed, agreed. I think that's a good approach. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to do it, to be honest. Especially with things that are like kind of semi-real, if that makes sense. Not semi-real, sorry, things that are real. You could just pull a sample and just go call it a day. Right. But it, you can add so much just by adding a couple of layers to a sound. Not necessarily trying to create something original, but trying to improve on a sample or a few samples of you know a sound. So again, going back to gunshots, you can add a couple, one or two little things and then just subtly layer them underneath. And that adds a whole lot more to it. Absolutely. Because one of the sounds I've made for this game is there's this uh, giant snail creature made entirely out of biceps called a mastropod. <laughs> <laughs> Two Ooh. S's, a mastropod. And um, <laughs> it's really great. The whole game is filled with stuff like that. But he has an attack where he claps and he just does a big clap up in the air and it does damage to the, to the player characters. And it's like, I could just record a clap and that would be it. But it's one of those things where it's like a clap is going to be really underwhelming for something that is so powerful. It's hurting somebody that is, uh, you know, far away from you. And so mm. I ended up using like two gunshots, uh, reverse symbol, some other things. Like it's like five or six layers deep and it sounds really great. But it's like, you know, the gunshots I got from a library because I don't have a gun. And recording one sounds awful tricky. So I use those, but they're just ingredients, you know? And so everything else, you build it all up with all these other things, and it's way cooler than it ever would have been if it was just like, well, I see a clap, I make a clap, now I go home. Yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect example. Yeah, no, that's the, mm -hmm. that's the secret, isn't it, with everything sound design, just kind of, well, layering. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially how you make yeah. any sound. Don't know why I, I had that kind of fear of using samples originally. 
Um, I guess maybe it was just, I don't, it felt a bit cheaty. Like, what's like, am I really a sound designer if I'm just pulling samples? That's how I felt, actually, I think. I think it was like, a, it felt too easy, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's fair. That's a reasonable thing to say. I don't want to knock on people, though, because we, we, our monthly competition uses, we, we have a sample pack that you can utilize. And I think that it's like really important to have that level of entry. But like the first sound I ever made was a fireball sound effect. And I was applying to, it was like a test for a fighting game. Yeah. Um, and there was like a fireball punch and they had like a rough animation for it. And I like synced up an animation to it and I made it an audacity and like timed it without video. <laughs> it took me like five hours to make that sound. And I used like a blanket, uh, a pan with water heated up to get like the sizzling white noise. Um, and then I also used, um, I used a couple other different source recordings, but, um, it turned out, I, I, it still sounds really good for a first sound. I didn't get the job or whatever, but I did all that work and it was, I think it taught me a lot more than, you know, just searching on YouTube for fireball sound effect and downloading it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, that's in terms of improving yourself. Yeah. Start making sounds from scratch even if in an ideal world you probably would reach for a sample to help you out that's that's the best way to learn like again so yeah your first sound was a fireball there's me trying to make you know test myself to see if i could do sound design i thought i'll try and make myself a simple handgun sound and i did it with um balloons so i just pop a load of balloons in different ways and record them and that would be the bang nice. and i think i did a few other things but obviously um in the like mike did earlier with the clap that's not really how you go about doing it in a professional sense. You take a sample and just kind of add a few little elements to it. That's probably the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. But in terms of learning, yeah, try and just make something from scratch and see how it goes. Um, that's what's really good about um, your monthly challenges, I think, mm -hmm. Ryan. Like, yeah, thank th you. There's, there's a set criteria. You can't just say, yeah, do what you want, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You kind of say, right, but to, in order to challenge yourself and improve your skills, we want you to approach this sound in this specific way and kind of limit yourself. No, I do. That does make me think how, like, maybe we should do a month where it is. It absolutely is just like, go ham. Get samples. Do anything you can to make this sound as good as you can possibly make it sound. And see what people come up with. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. It'd be interesting, too, to do that and to give, like, a way, like... I don't know, like an Astro headset or something like yeah, like that. Um, that'd be interesting. Yeah, to... the yearly supreme ultimate competition. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's blip competition or blip challenge supreme time. Uh, it's yes, number five exactly. on the menu. <laughs> Sounds like a burger you order at yes McDonald's or something. Yes, that's the joke. Very good. <laughs> yes, indeed. Should, should I continue on? <laughs> a gunshot sound was your first sound effect, and then yeah, something else was. I can't remember. Um, but it was, it was. Did you continue on with like video game music after that point, or did you? What was your focus sound design more so? Yeah. So, I, so before I was messing around with sound design, I was kind of just making. I was just making random music, and just again, kind of, in the same sense that we were talking about earlier, in ways to test yourself with your sound design. I was doing that originally with music. I thought, let's try and make music for what might be. Um, a JRPG or what might be a, a racing game. But then once I kind of learned about sound design, I just found it more fun. One reason why I found it more... Well, composing I still love, but production-wise, I think sound design is so much more fun. And I think that's where... Mm -hmm. um, when, I was, when I was studying music production, um, I was studying it for a degree, but this was the first sort of time I'd ever done production. So messing around with doors and microphones and stuff. Before that, I was just playing guitar and playing music, right? So I've got into this world where to get a good mix, everything's got to be very precise and you can 
really throw a mix off with a few subtle changes in the wrong direction. And I suppose where I was, I'd thrown myself in a deep end a bit, um, I hadn't quite grasped that um, immediately. I was still making, you know, big changes. So, you know, if I felt a guitar needed reverb, I'd slap the reverb on and put it up quite high and, you know, and overdo it a bit too much instead of making little slight adjustments. But with sound design, I think that's the whole, mm -hmm. the whole point is to kind of get a bit weird and wacky and just kind of almost, not, not break stuff, but just do things a little bit wrong to kind of, again, this goes back to learning and improving yourself. If you, it, you sound design, you can kind of get away with a little bit more creatively because it's, it's very open, I suppose, with music or with mm -hmm. music production anyway. You can kind of hear if the, the if it's a bit off, but with sound design, I suppose where especially when you're creating out of world um, fictional sounds, yeah, for sure, there's no real right or wrong way of doing it. So I fell in love with that aspect of the production. Is that you can you can That's true. you know you can crank up a few tracks as high as they can. Well, as long as it's not clipping, right? But you can kind of. That's the golden rule. But you can kind of, you know, just do some wit to think. Oh, do you know what? I'm just going to slap this distortion up all the way and see what happens. You, know, you don't have to be very minute so I guess that kind of fitted not my style but just I, I just felt a bit more comfortable doing that I said because I was like I said I was struggling to kind of get into that um, mindset and of a music producer who's got to get every little nook and cranny right um, so that's why I suppose I started doing less composing and more sound design stuff yeah there's just there really is I think even just starting from a sound design perspective there is a component of how is this supposed to sound? And that's something that you, you're only gonna benefit from shaking off as you go deeper into sound design, like you said, where it's like with music, you know, you do have a lot of constraints in how something is supposed to sound and how it's supposed to line up. But sound is so, it, it exists in such a vacuum where it's like. But I, I also think that everyone's an expert at sound at the same time and people know when something sounds off. Absolutely. Oh yes. Oh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you can make a bad sound. That's definitely a thing. You can't just do whatever you want. Yeah. But in terms of like what you what you can choose to use in a certain sound effect mm -hmm. or like that or what you layer in, there's no rules really. Whereas like music, it's like, oh, you used an F sharp when you're in the key of F. Nope. <laughs> can't do that. Yeah, because every sound is made of the same thing, and it's all just. You know, I mean, I guess that's kind of true for music, but sounds like don't have keys, for example. You don't have to worry about weird tonation issues and how it mixes with other things. But sounds are like, well, you've got vibrations, you've got frequencies. It's all, you know, 20 to 20. And if you take the sound of applause and you stretch it way out and cut a section out of it, and now it's a completely different noise. It's just so much more malleable than music in that way. But one thing I'm seeing a lot of lately that I really love is just almost like sound design in music. We did an interview with my friend Levi Weaver, who does a lot of he his live shows. He did a lot of looping. He did a lot of like he would scratch at the metal on his microphone and run it through some kind of filter and loop it. And then it became the sound of a vinyl record scratch or something like almost electricity in the air. And he would use that as a part of how the song played out through you know a live experience. And he would do like tap on his guitar with his pick and make that part of the sound and just all of this stuff. And that was one of the things that made me like him so much was like he's mixing music and sound design together into a single performance. And then you see, you hear things like the most recent Billie Eilish album. She's got several songs that just have like the sound of a blade scraping against concrete. And that's like part of the music. And the more of this that I hear, the more 
I just am really excited about that happening more and more in interesting ways. That's cool. You do hear some music tracks where people, they really push the limit in terms of what, what is just noise and what is yes. considered music. So they'll just get props and stuff, whack them around mm-hmm. um, and try and make a track out of them. And they sound really cool. Um, and I agree, that kind of, that, that cross fade between them is really interesting. And it can go the other way. You can you can add some music elements into mm-hmm. sounds, sound design, especially and when it comes to games. That's actually a really useful tool to be able to have if you have some understanding of tonality and you know how a little bit of basic music theory. You can make sounds that you know can communicate to the player with musical notes. So, for example, or not even communicate, but just make your sounds a little bit more interesting and a bit more um, pleasant to hear. So, for example, like making mm-hmm. I don't know the sound of picking up coins on, I don't know, a little 3D platform. You can make, instead of just randomizing the the pitch of the sound to add variety, yes, that does work. But you could also make each sound play a note on say the C major scale. So it sounds sounds nice and pleasant. And you know, that could, you know, maybe depending on the game, you know, if it's quite a a dark and, you know, serious game, maybe that might not quite work. But that's quite a useful tool to have if you understand sort of, if you have a background on even just a little basic background. That's true. Like, yeah, like the red coins in Mario 64, where every one that you get closer to 10 is like, you know, it, 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 it just builds. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a perfect example. I'm not musical. So knowing what to call that progression is like, well, that's, I don't get paid for that. But yeah, it just goes up, right? It's just up. That's the up yeah. progression. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's up, right? That was more up yeah. from the pre, the one that was down before. Right. Just just clarify. Oh, I was talking to someone today about um, people kind of communicating um, what they're after between two different. Well, we were talking about programmers talking with sound designers, Ooh. but that reminds me of um, um, a story one of my tutors told of a musician trying to communicate with a music producer. My uh, instructor basically. When he was mixing professionally um, and commercially, he he made he mixed a track for um, I, just, I think an indie band of some kind, and the singer who was apparently a bit out there, a bit very very spiritual, very for lack of a better word crazy. His words not mine, um, but he made a mix of their music and he went, okay, so what do you think of this mix I made? And she's gone, yeah, no, it's, it's good, it's good, I like it, but um, do you think you could make it a bit less purple? What? Uh, what do you do with that? Yeah. Purple? I get it. Like, I, I, hmm. There's some people that just see. Oh man, I, I have a story. Tell it. I won't share it. Uh, okay, I, my, I, I have a friend that really wanted to learn music. I, I can play piano decently well, and, um, and he, they wanted to learn piano. I was like, cool. And they were so aggressive about like learning music that they, they didn't want to get down any of the technical stuff. They just started learning. They just started saying like. Yeah, but what like colors do you see in your head and stuff? And I'm just like, I, I, I don't see that. I see, I see like the. What? Yeah, it was, it was kind of weird, and I don't know. It's kind of like a. I, that's fine if you want to interpret creativity or like an art form by what you see in your head. But there's also like some sort of ignorance, I think, when you expect somebody else to see it in the same way that you do, because um, that's all that art is in the end. Is you're translating something from your brain onto. Uh, something tangible for others to experience, um, but what goes on in your head is so different. There's um, there's an episode of my old podcast that I did with my friend Patrick about it was just about the differences between warm music and cold music and what we each thought made that designation what it was. 
and it turned into a very interesting conversation. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, because you've both got your own definitions of what's yeah, what's warm, what's cold, and what makes it up. Yeah, no, I think um, yeah, like like you said, Ryan, it's it's your your interpretation and how you kind of connect that interpretation with your vocabulary. And yeah, there's no right or wrong answer, but it's it's just funny how. To some person, it makes sense, and other people, it's just they're, like they're talking another language. That's true. Okay, but so we're gonna, um, for anybody that's watching the stream, we're gonna stay around a little bit longer. Uh, we're gonna do record one more episode. Are you down to record some more, Henry? Yeah, I'm all yours. Uh, thank you so much for watching. This is what you get for not showing up. Henry, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, go check out Henry's YouTube channel. It's super awesome. Uh, if, if you want to learn sound design and you want to learn uh, a lot of in-depth FMOD and Unity stuff, uh, his channel is great for that. But yeah, uh, we will be back uh, again next week. So catch you guys then. Do I have any tracks to offer? No, no. I, I have, I'm going to have everything on one video file. when I Do I, do I have anything to offer anybody at all? Uh, in any capacity. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <The> answer's no. <laughs> the answer's no.